Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. So welcome to the Water Women Podcast. Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm super excited to have you on, and I'm super excited to share what you do as a water woman. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So uh, as Jill said, my name is Alicia, and I'm a Canadian scuba diver and underwater photographer. I was born and raised in northern Ontario, and I actually went to school on the east coast of Canada at Dalhousie University studying marine biology and sustainability. And um, now I also, I work part-time, but I'm also the co-owner of Dive Buddy for Life, a scuba diving website alongside my husband. That is so cool. I think it's so cool that you actually went to school out here a couple hours away from me. And Dalhousie was actually my number one choice for schools when I was picking, but uh, I ended up not going there, but it was one that I, Dal was one of my top choices for school. So I think that's super cool that you went there. <laughs> that's actually where I met my husband and I actually got to dabble in quite a bit of scuba diving while I was out there. No way. So that's where you kind of started scuba diving? Uh, I did get my scuba diving certification in Ontario, um, but that's where I really kind of took off and getting in the water with all the East Coast critters, all the crabs, snails. Uh, that's where I started to really love it. And you and your husband created Dive Buddies for Life. So what is that? Um. So basically, Dive Buddies for Life is a, a platform promoting scuba diving and ocean education. Cool. How did you guys come up with this idea? Like, what was it that made you want to create this? So basically, um, this website started out almost as a logo for our wedding invitations. My husband <laughs> proposed to me while scuba diving. So naturally, our wedding was ocean themed. So if you ever take a look at the logo of our website, it's two scuba divers, a male and a female scuba diver um, facing each other. And there's a, a dive heart that's in shape of a flag in the center. Uh, so that's where Dive Buddies was really born. Cute. That is so cute. And then how did you grow it to be this site that it is now, this huge site? Where did like your ideas come from? What made you really want to create this? And what is it for exactly? So. Um... My husband is a web developer, so he was able, it was a, a wedding website, and he was actually able to transform it into this kind of multifaceted platform. And being um, a marine biology and sustainability kind of scientist turned photographer, my strong desire to connect people to our watery world um, was the inspiration behind Dive Buddies. So basically, we're looking to foster public awareness, engagement, and understanding of the underwater world through scuba diving, storytelling, and some of my high quality photography. That is so awesome. So what have you done so far with it? What are some of the projects you've worked on or are working on? So I've been a scuba diver for over 10 years now. And um, underwater photography is something that kind of arisen over the last four years. And I've been very fortunate enough to have my work featured in publications like Alert Diver, Canadian Geographic, Oceanographic, Explore Magazine. Um, 
but some of the the core projects that we focus on um, are Canadian Splash, um, as well as an educational coloring book that we've entitled Sharks, Turtles, and Underwater Things. Cool. That is so cool that you've gotten your work published in so many amazing things and are doing this. That is amazing. Must feel really good. Yeah, and it, it's a lot of legwork to get publishing these <laughs> magazines you're always pitching you're always reaching out you know trying to come up with fresh new innovative ideas so some of these projects I definitely want to dive into them especially your Canadian splash because that is such a cool idea can you tell us a little bit more about it well underwater photography is a, a real key method in public education with related to um, water conservation issues and we see so many photos taken in tropical tropical blue waters, and it can make issues of conservation feel so distant uh, for people living far away from the Caribbean. Um, so essentially, uh, as Canadians, our water geography includes over 200,000 kilometers of coastline, the largest collection of freshwater lakes in the world, and 9% of the world's renewable fresh water. Our waterways offer commercial fishing, transportation, recreation, and tourism, and it has a tremendous role in shaping our country's past, present, and it will continue to shape our future. Um, this project, Canadian Splash, it's, it's, it's a cutting-edge project aimed at connecting and educating our nation to the interesting things that lie below, below Canada's lakes, rivers, and oceans. And while underwater photography is not a new concept, um, our real unique spin on photographing our country is um, very unconventional and inspiring. I love that. I think that's so amazing that you guys are doing that because it, it like if you Google like underwater photos or dive photos, you're going to get all these like light blue, light blue, glassy, clear waters with all these tropical, colorful fish. And then you like dive in Canada and you're like, huh. This is a little different, still insanely cool, but just yeah. not not the same. So I think it's super cool that you guys are working on highlighting the different issues in Canada and the different the different kind of diving that we have here. I mean, you are exactly right. I don't know how many people that we will talk to in passing and we tell them that we scuba dive in Canada and they give us this jaw dropping blank stare and it's almost like you can scuba dive here. <laughs> I know. And like I mean, we do, when you think about it, we're a huge country and we don't have anyone above us. So like we have all this like um, coastline and you're more attached to water than you realize in Canada. And even then the provinces uh, that aren't attached to water have so many lakes that you're like, oh, you really can dive anywhere in Canada. Yes. That is so cool. So how are you guys doing this? Are you traveling to each each province and territory and taking photos or what are you guys doing yeah so that's it's mostly been road tripping and even more so now with the the current covid crisis we are definitely going to stay away when possible from flying um but our canadian splash journey actually began last summer um on canada day seems only fitting right yeah uh, and so far we've actually been to newfoundland nova scotia new brunswick and ontario Wow, you really got the uh, Atlantic bubble out of the way, the only place that you really can travel in Canada right now. You really got that out of the way a little quickly, huh? We did. We were actually um, trapped in the Atlantic bubble when the COVID crisis happened back in, in March. 
Oh no! Well, you should have stayed. <laughs> we did. We're stay. doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> we did stay. We stayed till about midsummer, and then we figured, you know, this this crisis is not elevated anytime soon. So we slowly started heading back to Ontario. Oh, I guess. Um, I guess that's okay. Yeah. So we kind of have been staying in Ontario for the last little while just to kind of see how things are going to escalate with COVID. Um, but now we're starting to plan our continuation in the new year. Cool. So where are you kind of planning on next? What's kind of, what do you have left and what order are you kind of planning on doing it? Um, so basically we're going to be in the winter in January, we're going to be heading out to BC so we're going to be doing a lot of BC in the winter months because being close to the ocean, um, it, everything's not necessarily going to be as frozen over. Um, and then we're hopefully going to be heading up towards the Yukon pending stuff, stuff is open. And we're hopefully going to get the Yukon in the springtime and then back down to BC and then go across Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And cool. then... Yeah, on our way, we are going to be deking up into the Northwest Territories, and then Nunavut will be at the very end. And again, this is all just pending what happens with COVID. Yeah, yeah, you can plan as much as you want, but COVID's kind of got a plan for everything, and it's on its own right now. Yeah, or try not to plan too, too far in advance, because you just don't want to end up disappointed. So this is kind of what we have in the very imminent future, and then we'll take it from there. So with the landlocked provinces, are you diving in lakes or what do you what are you doing for these landlocked provinces that don't have ocean access? So Manitoba and Saskatchewan, yeah, there are several lakes that are um, going we're going to be checking out and then Alberta as well. There's going to be some alpine lakes, which I'm really excited to see. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Do you know off the top of your head where is it? warmest or like most temperate when you're diving would that be in some of the the lakes or would the ocean actually be warmer um or is this something that you're gonna have to tell us after you've done them all well no I think it's going to be very dependent of course the lakes in the summer months they do get very warm on the surface part but they also stay very cold on the bottom because you don't have the the tidal fluctuation that mixes them as well um but uh, the oceans are definitely going to be the the coldest the coldest part (laughs) Um, oh yes it's funny that i say like warm um we're in canada warm for us is very different than for people listening to this in florida or any california or anywhere is even slightly warmer than this it's very different definitions yeah Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Ontario are probably going to be the warmest provinces in terms of, like, water temperature. Really? That's really interesting because you wouldn't think that because they tend to get the coldest. Yeah. Yeah, just, I guess just during the season, the seasonality when we're going to be diving them and whatnot, um, the summer, fall, and then we'll be out in the out on the ocean in the in the winter time diving the pacific Ooh. northwest makes sense do you have any idea like what do you think is going to be your favorite place to dive in mm-hmm. all of canada and what's your favorite so far that you've done 
I have very, very, very high hopes for BC. I've never been scuba diving there, but the Pacific Northwest, I have heard, is the creme de la creme of diving in Canada. Um, I look forward to hopefully finding some salmon runs and some seal diving out there. And so far, Newfoundland has been my absolute favorite spot to dive. Uh, It was beautiful we went up there last summer and we dove the bell island shipwrecks and the oh my goodness my best friend and i just went there we were just diving there really this summer yeah oh literally wow. like two weeks ago and i'm not surprised you said newfoundland's your favorite because it's just gorgeous oh my gosh visibility for miles and the shipwrecks are just covered in marine life absolutely covered and you wouldn't think visibility would be great like I grew up as you know like on the bay of Fundy so for me visibility is like sometimes you can see your hand in front of your face on a good day (laughs) yes but then like you wouldn't think that in the Atlantic Ocean it's going to be awesome and then it is (laughs) it's beautiful and you're like whoa wait what so the Belle Island shipwrecks was probably one of your favorite dives oh absolutely yeah we were there for a week um and it was it was just stunning. But who did you did you go out with Ocean Quest? Yes, we did. <laughs> did you have a guy named Johnny O? Oh yes, Johnny O. He Johnny O. Did he screech you in? Oh no, I didn't get screeched in. I'm very disappointed about that. I'll oh, have to Johnny. go back. Yes, absolutely. Sounds like a pretty ex- good excuse to get back up there. <sighs> Right? But Johnny O is the coolest person in the entire world, I think. Also, what kind of, like, Johnny O? That is the perfect name. Yes, it definitely is. We are water women, and we're spending a lot of time in the water. So it's important to try and find something that you can wear that makes you feel good about its production and how it makes you feel. Finding one of these can be a little difficult. What's this swimsuit made out of? How is it sourced? Why doesn't it fit me right? And most importantly, why the heck can't I order different sizes for the top and the bottoms? This is why Water Women is so excited to be teaming up with Sisterly Swim to share with you their sustainable swimsuits that you can fit comfortably into. This is a family-owned business from sisters who are passionate about the environment and have developed these amazing swimsuits that come in six, yes, six different sizes. And if you don't feel comfortable in those six different sizes, they'll even do custom sizes for you. Yeah, custom sizes. How awesome is that? Each suit is made from fabrics that are 100% derived from fishing nets and carpet fluff that have reached the end of their usable life. Not only that, the packaging, postcards, and tags that you get are all made of 100% compostable materials. If I haven't convinced you yet, how about this exclusive deal only for Water Women listeners? You can get 15% off your entire order when you use the code WATERSISTER15. That's WATERSISTER, one word, one five, for 15% off your entire order at sisterlyswim.com. These are swimsuits that you can feel good about wearing and feel good in.
and Splash, are you keeping this all, like, are you updating it on your website every time you guys go somewhere as new or do something new with it? Uh, I try to keep updated. I think I keep our Instagram feed updated with photos a lot quicker than I get the written portions up. So I try as much to kind of get some of these different locations up. I definitely have Newfoundland up there. Um, I believe I have some of the shore diving sites in Newfoundland that we visited because we did do um, we would do two dives in the morning on the wrecks and then we also went shore diving in the afternoon. Um, but some of the other places I've been a little bit slower to get stuff up. I have a little bit of a backlog. <laughs> That's always a good thing though. It's, it means you're taking the time to get things ready to post and they're going to be good posts, not just, hey, here's this random picture I took. Yeah, I really like to try and give a little bit of history about the place. And it, for the shore diving sites, I like to make the shore diving available to people because not everybody wants to pay to go out on charters. So I like to make sure I have the locations and like the information on how to dive the site and what you can see and whatnot. It always, like, I dive, but shore dives to me always just blow my mind that if you're an experienced scuba diver and you have a buddy, you can just take your gear and go to a random body of water and just walk in and dive. Like, you can you can just walk in and dive and you're there. You're done. They're cool. That blows my mind every time. Um, it's such an important thing to do. That's how you become a better scuba diver. You do it by shore diving because it's not realistic to be on a boat every day. Yeah, no, and it's it really isn't it's not sustainable to be on a boat every day cost wise uh, environmental wise anything but shore dives are such this like you almost feel like you can't do it you're like I feel like I have to have someone here with me but then like aside from your buddy but then you can just like you can just walk in and dive and you're allowed to and it's literally incomprehensible to me for some reason it just blows my mind yeah and and I mean it's just it's so nice to be able to dive on your own agenda you can stay down for as long as you are. You're not constrained to go, you know, 45-minute dive or one-hour dive, which is sometimes what the requirements for some charters are. Yeah. It's very interesting because it's like, I want this to be a fun dive. I want to kind of be in control, not kind of you tell me what to do kind of thing. And I mean, just as an underwater photographer, time is everything for me. I like to go underwater. I like to take my time. I like to dive slow. And I just like to be able to float there. <laughs> Uh, so to be able to go in and do that is just it's a powerful thing absolutely how did you get into underwater photography what kind of drew you to that and made you want it made you want to pursue it I always liked showing and talking about all the animals that are under there and my husband was the one who actually got me my first camera and (laughs) I'd be lying if I said I don't think I've done a dive without that camera since he got it for me four years ago Was it kind of a learning curve? Like, did it take you a while to get good at it? It was a learning curve, and it was an adjustment at first as a diver because you're swimming around with this big honking camera, and it's awkward, and you find a way to, like, carry it, and you got to find a way to store it on yourself when you're not using it. So that was a learning curve, but I think over the years I've grown, and now my camera is pretty much an extension of my body. I love that. Uh, We had... Uh, underwater photographer on this would have been like almost a month or two now ago Inca Cresswell she was talking about how it really helped her get better with buoyancy and be able to adjust her buoyancy a lot better and it 
it's good practice for that. But now she feels weird diving without it because it changes your buoyancy so much. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it just keeps your hands occupied. You have your hands on these cameras and you're doing stuff and you don't realize how much more in control you are. And then when you take that away, you, you kind of, you have your hands and you don't really know what to do with them anymore. That was one of my hardest things when, when learning how to dive is that they were like, don't use your hands to swim. Cause I grew up on a lake. I've been swimming since I was three years old. Like I, I know how to swim. So then you tell me not to use my hands. I'm like, what do you mean? Like that's, that's how I swim. So it was a very big adjustment for me. And I like have to like hold my hands together and like physically tell myself, I'm like, do not use your hands. And even sometimes if I go to turn, I'll kind of like push with one hand. So I'm still yeah. practicing the whole no hands thing. Well, you're not alone. I, uh, yeah, I'm a big swimmer too. I'm a water polo player. So I use my arms a lot and I usually have my feet dragging behind me. I'm a triathlete. So I try to conserve my legs for the biking and running part. Mm, yeah. So you're used to using like all upper body for swimming. So it's funny yeah. how you can kind of, you'll have to almost turn that on and off when it comes to like, I'm swimming versus I'm diving because you're going to use two <laughs> sections of your body. Yeah, exactly. And so when I have the camera, then I just don't have to think about it because my hands are occupied. I love that. Um, now, one of your other projects you're working on with Dive Buddies for Life is your coloring book. That is such a cool idea. It's an educational coloring book. Where did you come up with the idea for that? Well, as you probably have been able to kind of gather, um, my husband and I love the underwater world and we understand how important it is to our very existence. So we're always brainstorming ways to create the opportunity for um, ocean education and ocean literacy. So this uh, paperback, and you can also get an online version of, of the book, we kind of hatched it as a result of COVID, there were so many parents at home that were looking for educational activities for their kids to do. So we um, decided, hey, we should we should make a coloring book and not just a, a regular coloring book, but an educational coloring book so people can see some of the beautiful stuff we see under the water and learn about them all from the comfort of their living room or kitchen table. So basically, Sharks, Turtles and Underwater Things, it's been created from uh, my underwater photographs taken on our scuba diving adventures all over the world. And I've broken those photographs down into simple patterns um, that will allow a child to color it. And each page features the name the and the sketch of a salt or freshwater animal. It also includes the real life image so you can see what they look like in the wild and a fun educational fact. That is so cool. And that's going to, that's really cool that it's kind of for all ages. Like, I love to color. I have a, one of those like adult coloring books right here, but it'd be cool to have one that I can like learn with. And then it's also going to be awesome for kids who might not be exposed to the ocean or like might live in one of our landlocked provinces or anywhere in the world where there's no ocean around and they get to understand how these animals impact them and how the ocean is actually a huge role in their lives. So that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, we designed it for kids, but I'm actually surprised there are quite a few <laughs> um, adults that have gotten the book just for themselves to color. Yeah, well, I will be going to get it for sure after this. So so if people want to support that and support Dive Buddies for Life and get the coloring book, how, how can they do that? Where can they find it? Um, so our coloring book's available on Amazon. Um, it's in select retail locations in Ontario 
Um, and you can also get it directly through our website. So we have the paperback version on our website, and then there's also an online, a cheaper online one where you can print it yourself. Cool. Have you always been a water woman? Did you always know that you wanted to pursue marine biology? Like when you were growing up, is that kind of, you knew that you wanted to do something along those lines? Pretty much for as long as I could remember being in the water or on the water has been one of my favorite things. I mean, some of my best childhood memories were of my sister and I swimming around underwater, pretending we were fish. (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. It's so weird how uh, you can go so many different routes of marine biology. So what was kind of like when you were pursuing marine biology, did you have like a, because I'm sure you didn't come up with Bad Buddies for Life. Like that wasn't your original, not your original goal, but like if someone asked you when you were younger what you wanted to be, you wouldn't have thought about this. No, actually when I graduated, um, I started working right away in the Marine and Freshwater Research Lab at Dalhousie University called the Aquatron. We were involved in um, cutting edge ballast water research. So essentially they would stock these tanks up with what would be ballast water with tiny little invertebrates in the water. And then they would pass it through a filter and we would have to look and see how much um, is left living in the water, um, essentially to simulate the ballast water of a ship where it takes on water, it moves from one port to the other, and then it lets that water out um, to prevent invasive species from moving. Um, So I was involved in that as well. And then from there, I moved on and went into um, animal husbandry as an aquarium biologist. And And then I progressed into underwater photography through dive buddies. That is awesome. So you've had kind of a not a what's the word I want to use you have had kind of a windy path where you've tried all these different things and I love that you ended up here because it's such a not that other things aren't useful but underwater photography is such an important part of conservation and I don't think it gets recognized for that enough yeah you're absolutely right like if you can't see it you can't worry about it and it's easy to be like out of sight out of mind whereas with this underwater photography it's almost in a good way, in your face, you need to pay attention to this. This is important. Yes. So I love that you're, you've done that. Do you have any moments in the water from when you've been diving or um, working or anything that are kind of like stand out, like unbelievable moments from anywheres in the world? Well, I, there are countless standout moments underwater and it's impossible to pick one, but in the spirit of keeping things Canadian, when I think it, when I think of a, a recent dive adventure from this past summer in New Brunswick, uh, my husband and I were diving on Deer Island. Are you familiar with Deer Island? Yep. So it's, <laughs> it, it's kind of a collection of, well, Deer Island is a, the main island and a collection of islands just kind of between the coast of New Brunswick and Maine. And it's the place for the largest tidal whirlpool in the Western hemisphere. And yep, there's the old South. Exactly. There's some really beautiful diving there. And um, you can only dive there during typically once, sometimes twice per day during a specific um, movement of the tide. And we were diving there on one day and there are lots of tiny little lump suckers that like to hide out in the kelp. So my husband and I were kind of picking our way through the kelp. Uh, my face was probably inches from the kelp, picking my way along, picking my way along, picking my way along. And all of a sudden, 
out of the kelp comes this gigantic wolffish. Its head was the size of a dinner plate. Now, I don't know if you've seen a wolffish, but it's basically like a cold water moray eel. It does not have a pretty face at all. So to find one and have my face inches away from it with the freaking size of a dinner plate, oh, that that took me, that shocked me. That shocked me, and I think it shocked him because we both kind of recoiled. <laughs> we looked each other up and down, and then he took off into the depths. I love that. That would be, like, almost terrifying, though. Like, a very startling experience when you're not expecting it. No, here I am looking for these tiny little creatures that are, like, you know, one to two inches, and I come across this huge wolf fish. <laughs> I also love that your favorite experience has been on Deer Island, because, number one, no one ever says anything good about the Maritimes. So, like, I love that. And then, second of all, Deer Island. Like, of all the places in New Brunswick, this tiny little island has a population of, like, 800 people, and is, like, like there's not even a gas station there. There's a gas pump. Like, it's so small. So I love that that's been your best experience. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was one that got the heart beating quite fast. (laughs) I can imagine. I can't believe I've always wanted to see a wolf fish in the water because I worked at the aquarium in St. Andrews and we'd have we had wolf fish there. Um, But I wanted I've always wanted to see one like actually in the water because I they're just these they're so weird looking. So weird looking, but so cool. And I've always wanted to see them. Yeah, I I mean, we've been diving at Deer Island a lot, and we've seen, uh, really, I, I think I can count on one hand the amount of wolf eels that I've seen. So they're out there, but you gotta look. You gotta look in all the cracks, crevices, and, like, the little holes. Oh, I'll have to go back and check out then. <laughs> Where else in New Brunswick have you dived? Dove? Di- I always, like, I feel like I should say dove, but it doesn't feel right, so it's, I always say dived, but I, have you been diving? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we've, uh, so we go to Deer Island whenever we can. This summer, we actually also went across to Grand Manan, and we did some diving in Grand Manan. That was beautiful. There were some beautiful kelp beds there, and you could swim under, and oh, it was, it was really neat. We've done shore diving sites. There's a whole bunch of shore diving sites around St. John. So we've done that. beautiful. And then we've also went up north to the, to the quarry. There's a quarry oh, up north. Nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's it called? I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My husband just yelled the name Atlas Park. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that he knew where he dove off his head. That is awesome. I've, I've never dove there. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so Atlas Park, there's a, a beautiful quarry there, and the visibility is really good. And there's uh, two, two shipwrecks in the quarry, and there's also some statues under there, and there's... Um, arctic char that are stocked in the quarry cool i love that um do you have a favorite animal just of all the water animals like what's kind of your like your one and this is my favorite question to ask people because i feel like it you can learn a lot about them just from this question Uh, my favorite animal, and it's been my favorite animal for a really long time, is sea turtles. I love that. Do you have you I, have you gotten to dive with some? I absolutely have. Um, oh, we've done some diving awesome. with we've done some diving with them in Bonaire. Oh, cool. Where have you 
where's been so you've I'm sure you've gotten to dive all over the world have you had any places that are like your favorite place to dive (laughs) we've done quite a bit of traveling and Bonaire is one of the few places that we've actually gone back to after we've left so we did um we did a three-month stint and then we left for three or four months and then we went back for another three-month stint where we were actually diving and we were also coaching water polo we found a water polo my husband and I are big water polo players Uh, we found the only water polo team on the island because it is a small island and they play in the ocean and we got to know the coach and we played with them our first time around and um, they really liked some of our different drills and our, our coaching stuff so she invited us to come back and we went back and we coached some of their youth teams as well as helped out coaching the adults and we got to scuba dive while we were there cool that is super cool that would have oh I love that yeah it's funny how different things can bring together ocean people and like you like water polo who would have thought I know so if people want to support Dive Buddies for Life, where can they find you guys on any of your social medias or your website or anything like that? Um, so they can find us at wwwdivebuddies for the number 4 lifecom um, And most of those handles will be, that's how they'll be able to find us on social media as well. Dive Buddies for Life on Instagram, Facebook. And then I think on Twitter, we're Dive Buds for Life. Oh, okay. Perfect. Perfect. So make sure to check them out. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today, Alicia. It was awesome to have you on. And I'm super excited to share this episode and for everyone to go check out Dive Buddies for Life. And for people who don't live in Canada, we have people from all over the world that listen to this podcast. I think there was like 100, 102 different countries. So these people are going to get to learn that Canada, you can actually dive here and it is cool diving. And I'm really excited for people to know that. So then we can have them come here and dive. (laughs) Woohoo. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe to it. You can also follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also find more behind the scenes info on our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca. I am so happy to keep sharing these stories of different water women each week with you. And until next week, stay salty.